1: Thank you once again for tuning into this Thursday edition of the podcast. I'd like to welcome each and every one of our listeners. We certainly appreciate you tuning in, listening. We want to be a help. We want to be a blessing out of the book of Hebrews. Again, today we'll be in Hebrews chapter 3. And just a short note to let you know, we will be traveling this week. We'll be traveling today. And then uh, beginning tomorrow, we'll begin different types of services, prayer meetings, other meetings throughout the following week. And so our time is going to be a little bit compressed, a little bit unusual for us And so I do have one message for certain, possibly two, on the burner that someone else has preached, and uh, there'll be a blessing, there'll be a help. We're trying to put a bunch of drivel out here, I'm trying to put any silliness out here, we're trying to just put the Word of God out here. And uh, tomorrow, Lord willing, we're going to have a special testimony. As a young man I know that's been converted, he's been saved about five years now, but he has a very unique testimony, I've asked him to give his testimony, and then he shares a little bit about what the Lord has done for his wife also. And so that'll be tomorrow's podcast to close out the week. Lord will we'll be back on here Monday preaching. We'll be in Black Creek, New York throughout the week. If you're able to attend, attend. If you're not, you can watch online at the BCBC church and that's in Black Creek, New York. And so we certainly look forward to the Lord is going to do. Hebrews chapter three, and he says, wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, Now, I wondered how profound that was. I wondered how deep that was. I wondered how maybe not deep that was. And this is what I learned, and this is what I came up with. In Acts 9 and 3, as he journeyed, this is Saul, of course, who became Paul, the writer of the book of Hebrews. He came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven, the heavenly calling. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, who art thou, Lord? The Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. He astonished and trembling said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord showed him what he ought to do. It was the heavenly calling. God called him. I believe every saved person has a heavenly calling. That's what Paul is referencing here. This isn't some mystical, odd, strange thing. You don't have to have a Damascus Road experience, but you need to hear the voice of God. God addresses you individually. This isn't like some vague thing that God just randomly calls a select group of people with some audible voice in the fog. No, this is God himself speaking by the word of God and speaking to your heart and calling you unto himself. That's what conviction does. That's what the word of God will do. It's a calling from God. There'll be those that would dispute that. And listen, I won't have to cap a baby aspirin, lose one half ounce of sleep tonight over that. I believe that God calls. Every safe person has been called. Uh, they've been called with a holy calling. That's what to make your calling and election sure. Make sure you heard the voice of God. Make sure when you are converted, your experience lines up with the word of God. Make sure you have biblical salvation. There are those that would reprove that, those that would make light of that, those that would say it's nitpicking, it's legalism. No, you need to make sure. And people say, well, McVeigh goes too far with this stuff. Well, the reality is... You may not go far enough. And we'll learn to uh, on Monday, Lord willing, if you don't enter into this rest, you're damned. There's no second chance. Therefore, this is the only life you'll have to live to seek God. And you might have been sold a bill of goods. People say, well, you need to hear my testimony and believe my profession. Well, that's fine. I'll believe your profession, but what matters is does God believe your profession? Doesn't matter what I think, doesn't matter what Reverend so and so thinks, doesn't matter what your spouse thinks. What does God think? ultimately, what does God think of your profession? Was it the holy calling? Did you make that calling an election sure? Did you hear from heaven? That's the calling that God speaks of. That's what the apostle Paul is referencing here. No doubt in my mind about that. I don't have to worry about that. Consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. So as we spoke in chapter two, all of these things have come to this place now where we ourselves are going to look at that calling. We've been partakers of that heavenly calling. We are in Christ And then he says, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. What is a profession of faith without Christ? What is a profession without Christ? And I had to look long and hard at that word. Is that word an action? Is that word a noun? We consider, that's an action, the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. And I'll be honest, you can look at it two ways. I'll give you both and let you try to decide. One is a profession. What is a profession? It's a manner of life. It's a manner of living. It's what you do. Secondly, it's an action. And I don't think it's an action. I don't think it's just the the motions you go through. I've heard it preached that way my whole life, but I got to be honest with you. I look at that. He's the high priest of our profession. He's the high priest of my profession. He's the apostle of my profession. It's what I do. It's who I am. I'm in Christ and therefore, I, the person, have that profession. It's not my profession of faith. It's not because I knelt and spoke words. It's not because I went through the motions. It's that He now dwells in me, and I in him, and who is faithful to him that appointed him. So that's the heavenly calling. We're considering this. We're considering Christ, who is faithful to him that appointed him, as also Moses was faithful in all his house. So again, who appointed Jesus Christ? Well, God himself appointed Jesus Christ, and therefore he was faithful to him. How is he faithful? Well, he learned obedience as a son. Where of God tells us that. He was obedient to death, even the death of the cross. Word of God tells us that. So Moses was also obedient in his house. And what was his house? Well, he was in Pharaoh's house. That's what's interesting. That's where this becomes, if you took this as an allegory, you'll see some things here that probably go a little too far for even my liking, but yet it's there. And he's in Pharaoh's house, yet with faith. That's why the Apostle Paul revisits that later on in this book. He revisits Moses and his faith. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater than the riches, than the treasures in Egypt. For he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. So he lives in Pharaoh's house. Yet the word of God said of him, This man was counted worthy of much more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who hath built the house hath more honor than the house. That's why the Lord honors Moses. Yes, we know he's in Pharaoh's house, but he chose to suffer affliction rather than those pleasures of Egypt. And therefore we see that picture, that picture that takes place here, the word of God speaking, but it's speaking of Christ. He was faithful to him that appointed him. As Moses was, this man was kind of worthy of more glory than Moses, the lawgiver, the law of God. Why? Christ fulfilled that law. And yet we see Moses himself was faithful because we don't look at the house. It's more honor than the house. No. Who has the honor? He that built the house. And that's what we're looking at, he who raised up Christ, he who brought up Christ again. And so we see the picture, we see the type there. In verse 4, for every house is built by some man, but he that built all things is God. So ultimately, that's what we're looking to. That's who we're looking to. That's what we're to consider. We're going to consider Jesus Christ, an apostle and high priest of our faith. Is he greater? Yes, he's greater. We don't look at the house that he raised up. We look at he himself who raised up all things, who made all things. By him, all things consist. And so that's who we're looking to is Jesus Christ. He's writing to Jews. He's writing to the lawgiver. He's writing about Moses. They can relate to Moses. But who is greater than Moses? Jesus Christ. And that's what he's writing to them, telling them. Listen, you've been abiders of the law, keepers of the law. You've loved the law. You've been taught to love the law. But there's one that's greater than the law of God. And that is he who fulfilled the law of God. Now, I've heard a lot of things over the years. People disparage the law of God, discredit the law of God, overthrow the law of God, do away with the law of God. i have never gotten on that ship. I just see he is the fulfillment of that law. Jesus Christ, the righteous. But Christ, verse 6, as a son over his own house, whose house are we? There it is. Who's greater, us or the one that's over us? Who's greater, this house? that we dwell in today, or the one that gave us this house. Can I say it's he that gave us this house? And that's why we consider him. We don't consider this temple that we dwell in also called a house. We don't consider our body before Christ. At least we ought not. We don't consider our comforts before Christ. At least we ought not. We don't consider our wants before Christ. At least we ought not. Yet the word of God tells us that Christ is a son over his own house, whose house are we, and here's the key, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. Now again, they that endure the end, the same shall be saved. People say, ah, oh, that's salvation. You got to endure. I've heard people say, well, if he makes it to the end, we know he'll be in heaven. If he can just endure a little longer, he'll be in heaven. If he can just make it to death, he'll be in heaven. And what a terrible way to live. That's not what this verse is saying. It says on this wise, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. Why? We cannot deny him. The saints of God can't deny Christ. Those that have the witness of God, you can't deny that witness that's in you. You have the spirit of God. You can't deny that. Sure, you can deny it with your lips. You can't deny it in your heart. And I've preached that so long that people... Uh, kind of get immune to it, and then some folks get bothered by I go into a new church, I forget that I never preached there, and I'll say something like that. They get torn to pieces, get all upset about that. But how can you deny that one that lives in you? How can you deny that one that you fellowship with? How can you deny that one you walk with? And I've said for years, you know, people say, well, when I go down to the stake, if I had to be burned, I don't know what I'd do. I might cave in like those other people. Well, you can't cave in in your heart. You can't deny him. You could deny him with your lips. I believe that. Peter denied him. And I believe you could deny him. You can deny him because you're carnal, because you're fleshly, but I don't think you can deny him inwardly. I don't think you can deny him that work he's done on the inside. I believe that's going to shine through. I believe inwardly that work that he speaks of here, the rejoice of the hope firm unto the end. That's why people could go to the stake and be burned and they would not deny Christ. That's why they could have their tongues ripped out of their heads and stand there and try to praise him with bloody stumps in their mouth and the blood running down their face on their garments, and they could praise the name of Jesus Christ. That's why they would bind their hands to the stake. They couldn't lift him up and praise him in the fire. They could not deny him. Those old saints could not deny him when being cast into Lake Geneva on the ice when When that great Christian Zwingli would throw him out on the ice and and persecute him and torture him because they wouldn't deny Christ, they wouldn't deny their pedo-baptism, and they want to be immersed in water, he'd immerse him in the ice just to mock them and scoff at them, and now Baptist colleges hold his name in high esteem and hold him as a man of honor and even call him a hero of fundamentalism you go to John Calvin, his compatriot there in Switzerland, and the things Calvin did to the saints of God because they denied Peter baptism. And they want to be immersed in the water and they'd immerse them, they'd hold their heads under water, they'd drown. They would stand out there on the ice and stand on the lake shore and go into the water and would not deny Christ. Why? Because that hope that's within them, the person of Jesus Christ, would you consider him? That's what he's asking you. Would you consider him? There's those listening probably skeptical, they say, well, You don't know what you would do either. I don't know what I would do, but I know this inwardly. I couldn't deny him. And the reason I know that is because I've been proving that in my real life. I've been proving that in my current life. By my real life, I don't mean my church life. I mean my real life, the real person that I am, not this facade that people put on at church. And in my real life, I've not denied him. I've walked with him. I've learned from him. He's instructed me and I have fellowship with him. And if I have that in my personal life, when things are good, I think I can have that in my personal life when things are terrible. I think I can have that in my personal life when tragedy comes upon me. I believe I can have that in my personal life. I believe the word of God tells us that in this passage. And we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. Wherefore, again another wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, today if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the day of provocation, the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works forty years Wherefore, I was grieved with that generation and said they do always err in their heart and they have not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. Then verse 12, he says, take heed, brother, unless there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. That's why we grab Christ. That's why we consider him. That's why he says, wherefore, we have this hope within us that will rejoice to the end. But just in case, because of these statements, now I want you to look at this. You may not enter into that rest because of an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. An evil heart of unbelief drifts, it departs, it leaves God. Why? Because it was always a heart of unbelief. I would like to deal with that more on Monday with the Lord's help, so pray for us this weekend. Please pray as we travel. Pray the Lord will meet with us in the week to come. And Lord, we'll on Monday, we'll expound more upon the scripture about entering into his
0: rest. There is a lost soul who's tired of the sinning, and he longs to return to the Lord. As he cries for forgiveness.
1: You have been listening to the Daily Doctrine Podcast with Evangelist Tim McVeigh. For correspondence, please contact us through our website and someevangelists.com and use the contact form to connect with us. You may also subscribe to the podcast through our website or search for Daily Doctrine Evangelist Tim McVeigh on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, or Amazon. To write to us, please use our church address. Which is Manassa Community Baptist Church, 70 Back Hollow Road, Blaine, Pennsylvania, 17006. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in tomorrow. And remember to look up, for your redemption for all at
0: night. Now the angels of God are rejoicing, for the prodigal child has come home, and the saints all with gladness are singing.